welcome to Home, Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I'm a realtor in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, and a home functionality coach for anyone with video conferencing capabilities, no matter where you live. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. In this episode, let's discuss aesthetics. For some reason, one of the biggest needs people have when I get a tour through their home in preparation to list is art on the walls. Even homes in the $700,000 plus range, if people don't feel confident in choosing art, most often I found they simply make no decision at all. I can help. If you have empty walls and have some ideas, but you need some hand-holding, I've got you. Let's talk about art, proportion, and scale, and getting something on your walls. Scale is how an item relates to the size of the room, while proportion is the relationship between items. For example, we've all been to a home that has an overstuffed sofa in a smaller sized living room. There just doesn't seem to be enough room to move about comfortably. It's because the scale is wrong. The smaller the room is, the more petite or delicate the furnishings and decor should be. If you have a smaller square foot home or have normal sized ceilings, the scale of things should be generally smaller than that of a home with 9 or 12 foot ceilings and a bigger footprint. Well, what does that mean? When you're at the typical store deciding which planter to get, and you have a 3,500 square foot home with nine foot ceilings, you almost always would choose the largest one available in this scenario. Now remember, standing there at the store, you might not fully understand your scale at home because you are in the store. So your eyes are registering that planter next to the planters beside it. That planter might look so huge because it's sold next to smaller ones, but once you get it home with your tall ceilings and oversized couch, it feels proportionate. It feels right. It doesn't look huge at all when you get it home because the scale of everything is bigger. 
The answer might be different, however, if you already have a large planter and you're shopping for two more that together with the largest one will become a cluster, in which case you need to think of the proportion of the larger one in relation to the two you'll be buying. Not all three should probably be the same size unless you're lining them up down the sidewalk, for example, to make that sort of repetitive statement, which can be very attractive. So in this example, I explained proportion, referring to the size of the two new planters and how it relates to the existing planter in the room. We have tall ceilings, but a relatively small footprint. So my answer to everything, everywhere, to myself, in our case, both indoors and outdoors, is small footprint item, but tall. You've all seen tall and skinny planters. Just because your room is small and you don't have much square footage, it doesn't mean you have to forego the things you want. It just means you might need to think of the puzzle differently. Take, for example, our master bedroom. The only thing that makes it a master is that it has a really large walk-in closet with a window and a decent-sized master bathroom. It's not the size of the room itself that makes it a master. We have nine-foot-tall ceilings and three windows, so it's certainly light and bright, but the footprint itself is small. Our king-size bed measures seven feet and some change, including the frame. I would call it not proportionate to our bedroom because that is 11 feet deep, leaving a walkway clearance of just four feet between the bed and the wall. But I need my space when I sleep. And so I decided I would take my space and reason senses and figure this out. We needed a solution to hold the cable box for the flat panel TV mounted on the wall at the end of the bed. With just four feet of walkway, putting a credenza here was not an option. It was just too tight and didn't allow enough passage between the two. I searched the world over for something wall-mounted that could hold a few books, a clock, a plant, and the cable box discreetly. After months of looking, I found a company out of California called Wood Waves. To my delight, this company lines up with my love of products that serve more than one purpose to conserve resources while saving space. From mid-century modern to coastal and beachy, these guys have options, and man, do I love options. For rooms with a small footprint, I cannot say enough how much I love a wall-mounted credenza, nightstand, or dual-purpose shelf. They have mirrors with lights on them, they have wall-mounted bookcases with a floating nightstand, and so much more. You can find them on the interwebs at woodwaves.com. We chose a bed frame with a higher tufted headboard, and that means part of it is art or interest in the room because of its height and texture. In scenarios like this, you'll want to avoid too many items on the walls, which can easily end up looking junky or like too much clutter. Smaller frames can be clustered together in a grid so it's clean and polished. Remember to leave blank space in each room, both on the wall 
and above furniture. A room looks cluttered when every square inch of it is filled to the brim. The eye needs room to rest, so provide it by leaving some surfaces bare and make sure you can see the baseboards at several spots in each room. Furniture should not be pushed up against all four walls, lining the perimeter solid. Here's an exercise. Step back and look at everything in your room. Find the vertical middle point on your wall. Is everything either as high as the furniture or shorter? Or are there things that break that middle zone and extend higher? When at least two things break that middle zone barrier, it helps the room feel tied together. So what I mean by that is like a floor lamp, for example. It sits on the floor and it extends higher on the wall and maybe it arches over a chair. Or a tall plant, again, would be higher than that middle zone of the room. What we're talking about here is scale. You need a few larger things in proportion to your room, specific to height. If you have a bunch of things sitting on your floor and nothing breaks that middle point in the room from top to bottom, like no plants hanging from the ceiling or maybe plants hanging over the edge of shelving or from the bottom up like a floor lamp or a tall oversized mirror sitting on the floor, what you are lacking here is a play on scale. Search for and think of things that can go through that middle point. Now, not too many, just a few. For a single thing like a mirror or a piece of art, as a rule, the center of the image should be around 56 to 60 inches up from the floor, which places it generally at eye level. The larger pieces of art, however, should be lower so it fits proportionately on the wall. When hanging two pieces, one above the other, imagine them as one large item in your mind's eye and find the center point between them and use the same 56 to 60 inch rule. For larger pieces of art hung on the same wall, using a spacing of about two to three inches between them is a good idea. Smaller pieces could be hung a little closer together. When hanging art pieces above a sofa or other pieces of furniture, the grouping should ideally be about two-thirds of the width of the furniture below it. For example, if an art grouping is being hung over a 60-inch sofa, the ideal grouping would be about 40 inches in length. If you are hanging something over your couch, leave about 10-ish inches of space between the top of the sofa and the bottom of the art. The higher the ceilings, the more space you should add so the art doesn't feel like it's sitting on top of the couch back. If you're thinking about wallpaper, if the print is large enough, it can serve as art in and of itself. But first pay attention to proportion. If the room is small, use smaller prints and smaller patterns. A larger room can typically handle larger prints and more color. If you have a small room but prefer a larger print, make sure it has lots of white space in it and use it sparingly. 
Now let's talk about the big black rectangle that many of us have hanging on our walls called a television. It's fine when it's on and it's ugly when it's off. Samsung has come out with the frame TV with art mode. When you're nearby, the motion sensor detects your presence and turns the TV display into artwork complete with a frame. When you leave, it turns off to save energy. Match your space with customizable bezels that serve as its frame by selecting from a range of colors that fit your taste and style. They attach and detach with built-in magnets, so no matter if you prefer dark wood, light wood, or maybe a black frame, there's a lot of options. And it has a no-gap wall mount, so it helps it just sit flush against the wall exactly like actual art would. The digital art allows you to exhibit your personal collection or art of your own. It comes with 20 different works of art, or you can add more through the art store, making it easy to change your art within your space. Like your own personal art agent, the frame learns your style and taste and recommends art that fits your individual aesthetic. I geek out on this so hardcore. Easily upload and exhibit your own photography or a new family portrait from your smartphone or USB flash drive. Here's another cool aspect of it. By detecting the ambient light, the brightness sensor automatically balances the screen's brightness and color tone for natural illumination. So whether it's day or night, you can see your art how it was meant to be seen. They come in a variety of sizes from 32 inches to 75 inches. I want to disclose though that an art store subscription is required to access the full selection and I'm not sure exactly what the price tag of that is, but as always, I'll put a link in the podcast notes. So whenever you listen to this episode, you can get that current information. You can curate your own personal art collection through this art store subscription with a growing library of over 1,200 pieces of artwork from world-renowned institutions. From beloved classics to modern marvels or stunning photography, Art Store gives you unlimited access to a variety of content, and there is a free trial membership to try it out. One of the main things clients tell me is that they never can make a decision about what art to buy, and so sometimes they never do make a choice, like ever. So I'm going to talk about a few ideas to get your hamster running, and hopefully a few things will resonate with you. Here are some ideas for art on your wall. If you're more of a three-dimensional person and want something unique, I've got an idea and a story to go with it, because who doesn't like a little history and personal bits included? House Fend Holland is a California-based studio founded in 2011 specializing in wood products for the home. It all started with Aaron's grandfather's century-old barn, and it provided him with the reclaimed wood to develop their first products. His first series of furniture and home accessories featured minimal, modern lines while paired with rustic, natural materials. Their team has explored an array of materials and construction techniques since then to create a collection of modular wood-carved wall panels that are 19.75 inches square. They're easy to install, 
easy to remove, and their arrangements are limited only to your imagination. I love them because they're neither masculine nor feminine, and they're made of natural wood, adding more cowbell to your space. If you've listened to previous episodes, you know how I feel about adding more natural elements in your room. Rope or leather or wood and greenery, it all adds to a sense of peace and comfort. I want to spell the name of the company for you because it isn't spelled how it sounds. Carvedwalls.com, K-A-R-V-D-W-A-L-L-S.com is the website. And of course, I'll put a link on the Home Space and Reason Facebook group page. If you go to their Instagram page and see the feature at the top called process and click on it, it shows the creation of each panel via a delightful time lapse. There are also individual craftspeople all over Etsy and the internet making stunning wood geometric designs, and I'll link some on the group page. Let's talk about idea two. In some sense, plants within a room are art, mother nature's art. They can take up space on a wall where, if it weren't there, would need to be occupied by something else, a painting, a photograph, a three-dimensional item. House plants are also incredible purifiers. They cleanse the air in your home by filtering out harmful toxins and pollutants. NASA recommends having at least one plant per 100 square feet of space. If you haven't listened to episode 17 yet, the whole episode is just on plants. So glorious. So when thinking of what to put on the wall or fill your space with, you don't have to just think of something flat. It could be a chunk of wood with a carved design like those by carved walls or a chunky woven thing with something else layered on top. Joanna Gaines is known for her layering of natural and interesting things. Something rusty and vintage stacked behind a modern leather row of things. Idea three is all about 3D. If you enjoy modern and minimal, there is a company in Agora Hills, California called Textures 3D. They create textured wall panels for residential applications. I often see people struggle with what to do on the wall where the TV hangs, and this 3D concept could be the answer. We put a vertical stripe from the ceiling to the top of our built-ins with old wood, piece together. And that is what surrounds the TV, so it gives it a sense of place, a frame of sorts for it to live in our living room without looking busy and while giving the space some wood to warm it up and feel more homey. I'll include a photo of that on the group Facebook page too for you to reference. Let's talk about laser cut cork tiles. Idea number four, West Elm sells 20-inch square laser-cut cork tiles from Portugal with self-adhesive backing that creates a stunning geometric pattern for living spaces. Full disclosure, I have not personally used them, so my question would be, how easy is the adhesive to come off when I want to update my space in five years? Always think ahead and inquire about these sorts of things before making your final decision. Thought number five, have you ever seen painted millwork on a wall as the visual appeal without the need for art? 
I have. Millwork makes a space feel secure, balanced, sturdy, and beautiful. If you're the type of person who likes to change things around often, you might consider adding picture rails. If your home was built before World War II, you might be lucky enough to have this rail running through your living space already, but if you don't and it sounds appealing, they're one and a half to two inch strips of molding that run horizontally around the room, typically at the height that aligns with the tops of the windows, or sometimes they almost blend in with the crown molding. They serve as an easy way to hang art without punching a hole in the wall. Clips hang on this lip and from it hangs your art. Idea number six comes about because I know a good many people who adore maps. My son is one of them. So if you find yourself a lover of maps and geography and interesting places, a framed map can be a lovely choice, especially if the place depicted means something to you and is done in an artful way. Maps don't always have to be the grade school traditional color scheme. There are companies that sell gorgeous maps of all kinds. Idea number seven comes about because it is all about practicality. A mirror. I'm a fan of having at least one mirror in the room opposite a window if the room is small and needing that extra boost of light. Mirrors are practical by the door so you can give yourself the quick once over before walking out or checking for spinach in your teeth during an important dinner. In clusters or oversized, they are practical for a lot of reasons. Let's talk about idea number eight, sconces. Since they are mounted on the wall, or perhaps you can have a hanging light on either side of the master bed, for example, this takes up wall space, so it totally counts as art or at least as an artistic statement. Sconces can be incredibly artistic and minimal and modern, so if you haven't seen them lately, check out the interwebs because there's a lot of really cool ideas. Number nine is open shelving that can hold art, plants, or containers. Typically think in terms of three or a stack of five. Always odd numbers are safest. Open shelving can grow with you and be changed as you need. Idea 10 is a large butcher paper roll mounted for lists, menus, inspirational quotes, or hand-drawn art. Highly useful. I've seen it all over Pinterest, and it's such a cool tactile idea. Number 11, you may have heard me mention before, Idea Paint, which I discussed in episode 3 and episode 29, is a clear chemical applied to your wall that looks the same to the naked eye but allows it to become a dry erase board. Yep, the whole wall. If you haven't listened to episode 3 or 29 yet, do have a listen. A wall painted with idea paint could then become a brainstorming room, or lists could live there, menus could live there, inspirational quotes, all the things that I mentioned for the butcher paper roll idea. 
Macrame has officially looped back in style from its home in the 1970s. So idea 12 is chunky wall hangings, or maybe a plant hanging in macrame from the ceiling, or macrame serving as support for a wooden shelf. Etsy is full of macrame ideas, and I love it because it falls into that natural elements category. Idea 13 is simplistic in its concept, but could be more elaborate if you wish. A more intense paint color can be used with the intention that the color itself is the art. It becomes the focal point. From faux finishes to interesting color choices, this could be minimal or not. Number 14 is simply wallpaper. I will eventually do a whole episode on this, but episode 32 is already done and out there specifically about adding style and updating with temporary wallpaper. Whether it's temporary or real, the choices are virtually unlimited. You could geek out on this for weeks. Number 14's best friend is number 15, wallpaper murals. They can be as simplistic as trees in the fog fading away into an ombre effect, ideal for homes in the woods with a wood view or for places in the city that wish to bring that feeling of nature in. Number 16 is something you probably have seen many times, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. A gallery wall of photos or art framed could be a combination of those. Remember, matchy-matchy isn't a thing anymore, but do your homework here on clusters and spacing. You can refer to my Pinterest board by following me under the handle space and reason and looking at the board called hanging frames and art. Number 17 is interesting or especially beautiful hooks, which could then hang coats, hats in a neat and tidy row along serving as art, or even you could hang glass vessels there with wire and then place plants in them. Any of those things can hang from a row of interesting, artful hooks. Number 18 is absolutely practical. An industrial wall clock like the ones from schoolhouse.com. They are vintage and utilitarian, but are somehow art because of it. Idea 19 is minimalistic, open, ceiling-mounted, floating shelf brackets with horizontal wood shelves. This metal and wood combination makes my heart skip a beat, and they're great for pulling the eye up in an area so not everything is at the same height. It adds interest to a room. Last but not least, idea 20 is displaying your sentimental things. If you have beautiful items in your attic or in your cedar chest, get them out. Display them in a place of honor. Episode 8 deep dives into this subject specifically. And now, the questions to ask yourself about your home space and your reason. Mm -hmm. 
Question number one, pick a wall that you want to focus on. And then here's your question. How does this wall fit into the greater space by looking at what's on the other walls because it shouldn't be the same. If, for example, you have one large photograph on one wall, you wouldn't want one large something on this wall. Always think in terms of odd numbers, one, three, five, seven of something. Start a private Pinterest board and look at what attracts your eye in other spaces and then find the commonality in all of those things. Maybe when you do this exercise, you find you're most attracted to black and white photos lined up in a neat and tidy grid. Maybe you're attracted to more colorful art or arrangements. Doing this exercise and self-reflection is helpful as its starting point because you shouldn't be filling your walls just to fill them. You want your choice to be meaningful and personal. Your aim should be to make this wall nothing like the others. If the other walls have a lot of things on them, maybe this wall should be minimal featuring just one thing so your eye has space to rest. You don't want to create a feeling of clutter and chaos. You might remember me before recommending that you take a photo of the room with your phone horizontally and look at it with a critical eye. Does it look messy in this photo? And then why? This exercise has helped me countless times to step out of my own head and look at the space as if it were someone else's. When that happens, the answers are more clear to me. So once you've got a sense for how this one wall that you're focused on or that you're working on fits into the greater room and the greater space and you know how much you want on the wall, we can then move to question number two. Question number two is, what size is my main furnishing item in the room? Because it sets the stage for the scale for all of the other furnishings. For example, a small understated sofa with a chunky square giant coffee table in front of it would look silly. So for this question, you're looking at the proportions of things as they're related to one another. If there is anything significantly out of proportion, might you be able to get it sold or gift it on? Question number three, do I have any natural elements in this room? You should try incorporating something wood, something green and alive or natural somewhere. Can you incorporate something from this list on the wall Question number four, do I have a focal point in this room already? If you do, you don't want whatever you put on this wall to steal the show or it would be competing. If you don't have a focal point in the room yet, perhaps this wall could do that for you and that can be done with color, size, or texture. If you're creating a focal point, imagine first what feeling do I want to evoke? Question number five, could I make my art functional? For example, I did a consult for a couple in Bend, Oregon. A central point of their connection together was music. And so instead of framed art on one wall, I recommended three long, evenly spaced open shelves and having their record albums there stacked like art in neat and tidy rows. 
It can be rifled through and changed as the days go by, and maybe they feature all Prince's albums on the front of each stack every year on his birthday. The last question is number six. Do I have a collection of something, bonus points if it's sentimental items, stashed away somewhere that I could display in a neat and tidy, possibly repetitive way that could serve as art? For example, grandma's collection of vintage cameras. Sports memorabilia could work here too, like a series of five baseballs lined up on a shelf. Could be so cool if they have history with you, and maybe the shelf above it shows three black and white photos lined up of your granddad playing baseball during the Great Depression. Because we're experiencing an odd time in history right now, I wanted to use this segue to geek out on how the business of baseball handled the major disruption of the last Great Depression in the early 30s, because they experienced similar unease and struggle and discomfort too. According to History.com, attendance at Major League Baseball games, which had skyrocketed during the 20s, plummeted 40% between 1930 and 1933, while the average player's salary fell by 25%. Fans who could still afford tickets migrated from the more expensive box seats to the bleachers, which cost 50 cents. To stay afloat, owners of baseball teams downsized their rosters and slashed wages. A number of high-profile players, including Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, accepted significant pay cuts. In addition to scaling back costs, many teams experimented with discounts and other innovations designed to woo back fans, including, get this, free admission for women grocery giveaways, and the very first night games in baseball history. Minor league ballparks hosted attractions ranging from raffles and beauty pageants to chicken chases and cow milking contests. Surprisingly, the enduring event, the mid-season all-star game between the American and National Leagues, emerged during this period, coinciding with the 1933 Chicago World's Fair, which was devised to celebrate the city's centennial while intentionally cultivating a national sense of optimism during the depths of the Depression. As the date of July 6, 1933 drew closer, a story ran in the Chicago Tribune, hyping the game and encouraging the public to participate. Ballots were printed in 55 newspapers across the country, and fans cast several hundred thousand votes for their favorite players, with Babe Ruth drawing 100,000 votes. Among both players and fans, the event generated spectacular buzz, far exceeding the expectations of its originators. Originally intended as a one-time event, the All-Star Game proved so popular that it has become an annual fixture of the baseball season, bringing the country together and finding the little joys in life, like a game, can be helpful in wading through especially stressful times. Get plenty of rest, nourish your body with food that's good for it, and find healthy ways to alleviate stress, like geeking out on a hobby or maybe finding a new one. 
rock painting, or following your family's lineage online, or even taking that to the next level and start researching recipes and trying new foods from the part of the world where you originated. Maybe you want to set out to make your own piece of art for your living room because you have an idea of what you want, but you simply can't find it. Who cares if it doesn't work out? Sometimes dipping your toe for the first time in creative expression is good for your soul and it might lead to more. Success here is not the point. It's experimenting with new things that light you up and maybe even thinking of how that might translate to something for your wall. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just pulling on that thread of curiosity and making today a better day and being okay with that just as it is. If you've listened to this episode and you still have insecurities about making choices and committing to art, don't worry, I can help. Jump on my website, spaceandreason.com and click on the Imagine link. There we can do a one hour consultation through video conferencing and you can show me your space, give me your measurements, and we can talk about all the things you've considered. We can work through that puzzle out loud to get more clarity and confidence in your art choices. When you're considering putting your home on the market, it can be uncomfortable finding a realtor because you know they'll be in your space. They'll see every part of your home. They'll be working with you closely for a few months at least. How comforting would it be if you felt you knew a realtor already by hearing them often and understanding the depths of their skill sets more? If you happen to live in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, I would be delighted to help you get your home dialed in to look the best it can look and list your home and find the next one for you. When you work with me to buy or sell, the home functionality consulting part costs you no additional money. It's purely added value for choosing me. Easily connect through social media or my website, spaceandreason.com. Share your new art on Twitter or Instagram by using the hashtag homespaceandreason. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. I'll meet you back here for the next episode. 